This is a podcast about new crops. You're going to love it. Join us on The Cutting Edge, a podcast in search of new crops for Wisconsin. Welcome to The Cutting Edge, a podcast in search of new crops for Wisconsin. I'm your co-host, Jerry Clark, with the University of Wisconsin-Madison Division of Extension in Chippewa County. I serve as an agricultural educator. And my co-host today is Carl Dooley. Yes, thanks, Jerry. Carl Dooley in in Buffalo County uh, with UW-Madison Extension. Uh, So, Jerry, uh, we're here in late August. Things are kind of winding up with small grains. uh, how did things go in Chippewa County this year? Well, yeah, Carl, you know, we've had uh, our uh, small grain trials here for several years now, and I think um, uh, the yields were, were average. I would say, you know, we had quite a bit of rain uh, early in June, and I think that might have flushed out some uh, nitrogen that we had in our sandy soils. So yields, I thought, would have been better. Um, but we also had a lot of weed pressure this year, too. So um, I think the yield is average for, for what we've seen, but it's been a, a a good year in terms of precipitation. Yeah, and our spring grain yields were just uh, were pretty good, but not super. Our winter barley plots this year were pretty incredible, as uh, with our with our yields, with um, our high being. We probably averaged about ninety to ninety five bushel on our winter barley plots, with the high being one hundred and eighty, which was pretty incredible. Which kind of makes up for two thousand and nineteen, which was zero because we had nothing survive the winter. So I think we got a little bit of learning to go that, and maybe that's a future podcast for us. Today we're gonna we're gonna head a little bit different direction and and talk about um, naked barley. It's a, a nationwide um, project. I think there's four states, if I remember right, involved, and and we have three guests uh, uh, with us on this podcast. And and um, I think we'll have have uh, our guests introduce themselves, and maybe we'll start with Bridget, who's kind of the overall project manager. I think is your title, or, or correct me if I'm wrong. That'll work. So I'm Bridget Mainz, and I'm a postdoc at Oregon State University in the barley breeding program. And uh, my primary job is to manage this national project on developing multi-use naked barley for organic farming systems, which is a project funded by the USDA NIFA OREI grant. And and Pat will stay in Oregon if you want to just... Give us a little background and how you're involved with this project. Yeah, well, thanks, Carl. Um, yeah, the our interest in, in naked barley's goes back uh, a long way, and uh, you know, as I've often said, it's uh, time that barley shed the hull after ten thousand years. Uh, the uh, wild barley's are covered; uh, they do have an adhering hull, and so naked barley just offers so many opportunities and and uh, removes so many obstacles that. Uh, I think limit the uh, wider scale adoption of barley. And just a word about the naked, uh, you know, relating to barley, that's the botanically accepted term uh, for a barley that does not have an adhering hull. It is not uh, of prurient interest in the least bit. And Lucia. Hi, I'm Lucia Gutierrez. I'm the cereal breeder um, and quantitative geneticist at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. And um, I'm also working on this project as a, as a co-principal investigator. I think it's a fantastic project. Uh, 
And I think it, uh, it could be an alternative to bring more barley back to Wisconsin. If we just step back, um, uh, Pat mentioned uh, that uh, naked barley is the accepted term. Um, at first, I thought hollis, but why, why get away from the word hollis? I think I know. I'll um, dive into that one and then let Bridget go because she's really got, uh, you know, I think a, a lot of insight into this topic. And, and for me, it's a grammatical matter because then you start going down this rabbit hole of hold and de-hold and do you have a hyphen or don't you have a hyphen? But Bridget, please. Um, yeah, so basically, uh, originally we were calling these things holus and hold and um, I noticed when I was shopping at you know our local co-op in the bulk bin um, they would have their naked barley labeled as hold and in fact they meant de-hold and so there just seemed to be a lot of confusion around the terms and so um, you know we sort of changed our own language and I think uh, it's made it clear but also uh, perhaps a little more interesting to people you know our latest uh, release was Buck and I think people <laughs> have enjoyed uh, that Buck Naked Barley. You mentioned something uh, and Opet said about the opportunities and, 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 and uh, for growing it and maybe Lucia in, from Wisconsin can also chime in, but what is that, you know, what is the market for it? I mean, is it for, uh, you know, more of the flour? Is it for beer? What are we looking at to use it for versus, you know, maybe the barley that we think of for feed and uh, cattle feed and that kind of thing? Uh, I can start at least sure. generally, and then Lucia can talk more about Wisconsin. So, um, you know, naked barley actually arose from a spontaneous mutation, gosh, like 8,500 years ago. So it's been around for a long time, um, but it's been traditionally used primarily for food for human consumption. So without that adhering hull, um, you don't have to do any additional processing. It can be eaten um, directly as a steamed grain, milled into flour, rolled into flakes, um, cracked into grits. There are a number of applications, but if that hull is attached, um, it's not very palatable. And so in order to eat it, you would need to pearl it first, which is an additional processing step, um, as well as it uh, removes some of the bran and germ because it's a polishing process. And uh, it's pretty hard to just remove the hull. And so you lose some of those additional nutritional components um, and it results in a product that can no longer be considered a whole grain. And so food has really been the primary uh, use for naked barley traditionally. Um, you know, it, it still remains a staple crop in certain areas of the world, the Himalayan region, Andean region, Ethiopia, um, areas where uh, you know, other grains ne won't necessarily thrive at really high altitudes, um, and barley will. And so um, that's where a lot of uh, genetic diversity in naked barley can be found. Um, but this project uh, is looking at using naked barley additionally for feed and malt. And so um, 
you know, it has some benefits as a feed and for non-ruminants because they can't digest the hull. And so um, actually in the 1970s, Canadian barley breeders really latched onto naked barley as a uh, swine feed. And so they did a lot of work breeding um, naked varieties for feed. And in fact, I think at its peak in the early 2000s, there were about 750,000 acres of naked barley being grown in the Canadian prairies for feed. And so that is another um, use. It hasn't really taken off, I think, so much in the U.S., mostly because um, it seems like uh, in Canada, they, the breeders really worked with animal nutritionists early on to um, uh, work with farmers who were, um, you know, had pigs. And so um, that, that fit into their system and there was a lot of education there. And I don't think that that happened so much in the U.S. I think also in the U.S. a lot of... Um, you know, rejected malt barley ends up as feed, and so. Um, so, so in the U.S. right now, that market would primarily be for for human consumption on the naked barley side, than correct. than for a agricultural commodity, so to speak, for for the feed industry. So yeah, okay, no, oh, that that helps. Thank you. Yeah, Lucia, anything on the Wisconsin side where you're seeing acreage expanding or anything like that? I, th I think that there is a lot of interest. One of the things that I really like about this project is involvement with, uh, you know, all of these stakeholders and the different groups that have an interest in the food area, in the uh, in the uses as feed, and in the malting and brewing. And um, and here in Wisconsin, we have a lot of potential. Uh, we have a a very high interest of uh, having some barley more locally sourced with all the breweries. And um, I think that's. Uh, a potential market that is uh, fantastic. So if we can bring it back and have more acres, uh, that would be great. We still need, uh, you know, we have a, 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 a way ahead that we need to pave until we can have it very good and um, good for disease resistance and stuff like that. Uh, but then there is also this new market on the food industry that uh, is very interested. And we're working here with uh, Julie Dawson, also at the University of Wisconsin-Madison in the horticultural department, and she's extension specialist. And, um, and she's, we have been working together on having this uh, baking trials. And so uh, we partnered with Madison Sourdog and uh, we have been uh, doing some um, testing um, and uh, baking tests uh, for this, uh, especially this, the grain that came from this project to see if there is interest from the bakers and the consumers on having some more products. And we did uh, some um, pita trials and pita bread uh, trials and some cookies and there was a fantastic reception to, to see that, you know, we don't wanna release something that is not gonna be ready for the uh, market. And so we're working together um, in close partnership with them so that we can have something that we like uh, that is agronomically performing well but also that will be received by, uh, by the bakers, in this case, uh, the brewers, uh, the, the feed industry, and also the public. Well, Jerry, I don't know about you, but I'm a little disappointed that we weren't invited down for the cookie tasting part of this well, I was project. Gonna, yeah, see, where was the donut trial or something? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm sure include you in the next one. <laughs> okay, we need, to, we need to get on that list. Um, <laughs> 
Now, are, are most of these varieties, are, are we talking spring varieties, winter varieties, or a uh, little of each? Um, we're, we're evaluating uh, both. So the first focus was on some facultative um, that will be able to withstand the, you know, a regular winter, not a Wisconsin winter, uh, and, and some spring, uh, just mainly spring. Uh, we had uh, the first two years, uh, it was very devastating. The, the winter trials or the, the winter or facultative didn't survive and those were very harsh winters. Um, this past winter, we had a great success and this was mainly, we changed, uh, we selected some of the lines that you know, we knew they were not gonna do well in Wisconsin. And then uh, some that showed a small promise that we cannot evaluate fully in previous years, we decided to evaluate them. Uh, and this was a good year. So we had a fantastic survival and, um, and we had actual yield harvest this year from twelve planted trials. So, so we're excited that, that we can also go that way. And well, Oregon really doesn't have winter, do they? <laughs> uh, it's a different type of winter, a lot of gray, a lot of rain. Um, so we, we do fall planted barley really well here on the west side of the Cascades because uh, we don't get that, those cold temperatures. And so um, we actually prefer to grow the fall planted barleys because typically the spring types we will need to irrigate. Um, and so we can benefit from those rains with the fall planted and don't need to irrigate. Now, now there are a couple other states involved. Uh, could you mention who they are? And yeah, so um, we also are partnering with the University of Minnesota and Cornell. Um, and so uh, we're really lucky to have all four states representing um, sort of the Pacific Northwest, the upper Midwest, and the Northeast. Um, and we also have made our tri trials available to other states who are interested. And so um, we had some interest from uh, UC Davis. They grew one of our trials. Um, and then we've had some international interest as well. So that's been pretty fun to see these varieties growing all over the world. So you mentioned, mentioned food and uh, well, we all, we all know about beer and uh, animal feed. So what, what are the main products you're looking at with the, in the food industry? Is it mostly baking or what's the focus on as far as food? Um, you know, it's a range of things and I would recommend that your listeners go to our website. So we have an e-organic website for the project because this last spring we released a barley zine um, that has some information on the project as well as I think about 10 to 12 recipes um, that some of the collaborators on the project as well as local chefs and bakers mostly from Oregon because that's where um, we produced it but uh, we have you know recipes ranging from uh, barley porridge bread to crackers uh, to barley tempeh um, that's a really interesting and cool use of uh, fermented products uh, from barley. Um, we have roasted barley tea, which I know Pat is a huge fan of. Um, let's see, what else do we have in there? A barley salad. That's a really popular use of like the whole grain product. Um, 
so far the the project's focused on organic um is anybody looking at growing naked barley conventionally or non-organic i should say whatever the correct term is no we don't have any um conventional growth right now um the main focus of the project was on organic and that's uh, where we've been focusing but there is um no reason why uh you couldn't grow them conventionally well, the main reason I ask is our, our biggest challenge with the whole malting barley project has been uh, dealing with uh, fusarium and Don. Um, and we struggle even with the chemistry out there to keep Don levels low enough. Um, how has it been? How have been the Don levels in what you've grown, Lucia, in, in Madison area? That's uh, the huge main problem for uh, growing um, barley in Wisconsin is uh, for serum head blight and dawn levels. So we have had a high pressure uh, in most of the trials. We do have some lines that uh, show more promising uh, response and lower levels of dawn. And, um, and actually the, the grain that we use for baking, those um, we had to pass the dawn levels so, uh, to be able to bake it. And we were able to find some of them um, growing with uh, low levels of dawn. So, so some of the, the lines seem to be promising. And then there are some uh, management that you can do to improve the, um, the level of the serum headline. Because what, what is the level of dawn acceptable in the baking industry or the food industry? Any? We have a wheat, uh, a wheat miller that than... they'll accept up to two. But I was wondering but they blend it, so. You know, the food barley industry doesn't have a lot of standards, so I'm not sure that there's a specific level for food barley. They may just okay. be using the same level that's acceptable for malt. I, I'm not sure. I mean, we don't have fusarium yet in Oregon, and so it's not something that I deal with. Okay. Uh, but I don't know. Lucia? I'm pretty sure it's 1.2 or 1. We try to have it below 1. Um, but yeah, I don't know for sure. Sorry. Oh, not a problem. Not a problem. I just, because uh, that's, uh, you know, kind of my working on this project for quite a few years on malting barley. It's, it's still one of my biggest frustrations is how do we how do we get the levels down low enough and, and organic provides some special challenges to that. Um, I will say that our winter barley trials have been much better. We haven't had the, the naked barley winter varieties, but uh, we generally are down to levels where we can sell it in winter barley. But, and so there may be some promise there. If you can get them winter hardy enough to, to guarantee a crop, at least most of the time, that would be great. That'd be great. And, you know, the literature suggests, and we haven't, quite seen this come to fruition, but because the naked barley loses its hull in the field and a lot of the dawn is supposedly accumulated in the hull, uh, there may be lower levels with naked barley, but you know that depends on a number of factors, including how well that grain threshes and whether um, that's really the case in uh, you know these specific varieties and so one of the things that we'd like to look at is is one of our larger panels and sort of go through it and see if we can't find 
um, different levels of resistance. Sure, sure. One, uh, I did see some, we had a grower that grew a little, uh, you know, a half acre of one of the, one of the varieties last year of the naked barley, spring barleys. I don't know what variety it was, but he still had a, quite a few grains in there that had hulls on. What uh, is the, what is the percent that you normally get that's truly naked or hullless and, and what do you do with it if it's, uh, you try to separate that out or, or how do you go about is there a processing method you go through to knock those hulls off or? Yeah, so threshability is actually one of the things that we've sort of come to realize needs to be a major focus when we're breeding naked barley. Um, and so that trait seems to be both genetically and environmentally controlled and uh, along with the genetic by environment interactions. Um, and so we do see some lines that will come out of the combine and then even later the cleaner and have most of their hulls still attached. And so you can, you know, use your fingernails to pop that kernel out, but that's not going to work if you're trying to sell it in like a bulk bin at a co-op. Um, and so <laughs> kind of like shelling out hickory nuts in the winter time. Except yeah, okay. worse. <laughs> um, and then we have other varieties that you know, a hundred percent of the kernels will come out uh, without a hull. And so, um, yeah, we can we can breed for that, which is really exciting. But we do seem to see that the moisture levels at harvest also affect um, the threshability. So uh, the drier the or the lower the moisture, um, the better it threshes. Um, and then if you get a lot that has a lot of holes in there, you know, that, that becomes an issue. We do actually work with a processor here in Oregon that ends up semi-purling their naked barley. So it's a really light pearl, um, but we still would love for them not to have to do that because that additional processing step co costs them money. Um, as I mentioned before, you are removing some other components and so it's not quite a whole grain. Um, but uh, again, they sell into bulk bins and uh, they don't want their customers having to deal with hulls every so often. And so, um, breeding for that threshability is is really going to be especially important for the food market. Sure, sure. Will a debeer knock a lot of those off or not? You ran it through? Yes, to an extent. Okay. Again, that depends on the variety. So some of the holes are more like papery and brittle, and some of them just are never going to come off unless okay. you really just like beat the heck out of it. <laughs> so, so you mentioned the, um, um, the labeling part or it's not a whole grain after that process. So is that devalue? Uh, I'm thinking as a farmer, um, say I want to try growing this here in Wisconsin and I know I've worked with Lucia on some other projects to get the agronomy part of it down. But, you know, in extension, we always talk about have your marketing plan up front before you dive into a new crop or anything like that. So um, 
you know, and if there is a failure, you have to sell it for cow feed or cattle feed or whatever, and you, you don't get that premium price. But um, is is that um, uh, that labeling or that you know uh, no longer a whole grain? Uh, is that dockage or whatever that price uh, huge when that happens or if it would happen? Or how do you suggest a farmer look into that marketing part? That well, am I going to be able to get you know 100% uh, of my crop? hullless or naked barley it's not going to have any uh, hull left on it and I don't, don't have to worry about it or is there other tricks to the trade to make this you know work better in a farmer's favor you know that's a good question um, but I'm not sure that I have a very good answer oh, for fine. that because <laughs> I think you know there isn't uh, like with wheat you have a set price but there really isn't that doesn't exist for naked barley. Okay. Um, the market just isn't big enough. And honestly, I almost wonder, you know, most of the barley that you see in the grocery store is pearled. Um, mm -hmm. And so, uh, and, and there are farmers who actually contract pearled barley and I'm not sure what the price point difference is there, um, but I think there's probably a larger market for pearled barley right now than there is. And that some of that may be an export market, um, but I would guess there's a larger market for pearled barley than there is for naked barley. Um, I don't know if Pat looks like he's unmuting to maybe chime in on that. Yeah, I just throw out a couple of marketing options out there is that to my knowledge, one of the, the big and exciting uh, markets for naked barley is Japan, that there's a tremendous enthusiasm for naked barley food products in Japan. And so particularly uh, in South Idaho and uh, parts of Washington state, there's been a big push on barleys to meet that particular market. Those tend to be high beta glucan barleys. And so that's a topic that we can uh, segue into, if you like, is beta-glucan content, because our efforts have typically been directed at kind of more modest beta-glucan levels. The other one is just purely anecdotal, but uh, I had heard that uh, a whole lot of Midwestern covered barley was going into pet food, of all things. And so that would be classic, uh, you know, six row malt barley, six row feed barleys, and that that pet food market had emerged as a, a significant one for those barley. So that would be another option for nakeds there. Yeah, I can uh, respond a little. We have a, a, a miller in our county that uh, they buy some barley um, and it's all pearled and it's all for pet food. Um, and uh, they flake some of it for but none of it's for the human food industry. So um, I imagine maybe that could take away a step if they didn't have to pearl it. Um, what about what about the yields? Uh, yields comparison to other barleys? Uh, you close or as good, better? You know, the hull accounts for about 10 to 13% of the kernel. And so um, you are going to see a reduced yield if you're planting you know, two similar varieties side by side. Um, you do make up for that in the test weight. So test weight of naked barley is equivalent more or less to wheat. Um, but that being said, uh, most breeders have not been focusing on naked barley um, because 
the food market is is quite low. Um, and so there hasn't been a lot of breeding done focusing on yield. And so, uh, yeah, most of the current varieties are not going to out yield whole varieties, even when you um, account for that 10 to 13% dif difference. But that isn't to say that it's not possible. We have naked breeding lines that uh, yield equivalent to, or in some cases out yield um, our covered checks. And if here in Wisconsin, we have seen the same. So uh, what Bridget was explaining is, uh, because there was not like on convention on the hover barley, um, there was a lot of breeding efforts put into higher yields and also adaptation, local adaptation. So um, when you do that, you have a, a premium and you improve, you improve the crop and you have higher yields. Because we haven't done that in naked barley, we haven't seen uh, the same level of yields just yet. Uh, but there is no constraints that um, we know of that would prevent us from getting into high yielding once we start the breeding efforts and once we, uh, we start to evaluate them in this type of environments and put more pressure there, uh, we should be able to move it forward. All right, um, Jerry. Uh, oh, yes, I sorry. thought you were saying something. Oh, no, no yeah, I, well, I was, since we're going down that agronomy track a little bit here, so um, it, it, it's planted very similar uh, agronomically with, you know, with grain drill combined with, uh, or harvested with a combine, um, everything in between are, are fungicides typically, well, excuse me, we're, we're talking organic for the most part. Um, so we're really not, but from a, f a fertility standpoint, um, is that mainly using um, manures or crop rotation legumes? How, how is the production practice? Because in Wisconsin, we got a lot of dairy manure and this might be a fit for a dairy farmer to, you know, uh, add, add a different crop into a cropping system. Uh, coming off of alfalfa and these kind of things uh, from the dairy industry or using using manures, but I, I'm assuming that you got to be careful with that that nitrogen rate. So yes and uh, and no, depending on the market where you're sending it, right? Uh, the main limitation with the nitrogen with barley is if you're going to be selling it for the brewing industry, where we have a um, um, a maximum level of protein that we can have, and therefore the the nitrogen levels are are very critical, so we have to be very careful. Uh, for the food uh, products, uh, that's not such a constraint, so, so that shouldn't be a, a big issue. In terms of the rotations that we have been using um, um, in our, at the University of Wisconsin, we have certified organic land, and um, in the first year we uh, ran it on a, on a rotation that was not so favorable, uh, and it was coming out of another cereal. But after that, we changed to coming after alfalfa, um, and these were beautiful alfalfa fields, and the barley did fantastic. So, um, so, so we did not need to supplement uh, any nitrogen uh, with that, just come in just out of the rotation. So from um, an input standpoint, I'm sorry, uh, uh, yeah, uh, go ahead, Bridget. Oh, I just wanted to mention one thing, because you mentioned that you know, it would be drilled and harvested the same way. Um, you do, if you are growing naked barley and you want to maintain your germ, so for sprouting or malting or seed, 
Um, one thing to think about is that the embryo is quite a bit more exposed than on a hulled barley or covered barley. And so um, adjusting combine settings is going to be really important. Uh, the embryo is pretty fragile and it's pretty easy to pop off. <laughs> um, and and so unless you're selling into a market where it doesn't need to sprout, in which case you can, you know, use your combine as you would with a covered barley. Um, as with planting, you want to make sure that your germ is high. Um, and typically, I would probably recommend going a bit higher seeding rate on a naked barley because um, there, there do tend to be some issues with uh, germination and vigor, which is something that we're also working to breed for. But currently we do see some naked varieties have, have lower vigor. Okay. I was going to come back to the nitrogen management bit just a sec is that in our particular environment, that's really a challenge because we lack appropriate rotations uh, just because of our rainfall and so forth. And certainly in our research farms, Unfortunately, we don't have the opportunity like Lucia to follow after a legume. And so we've been kind of locked up a bit into uh, input replacement. And so then using uh, certified organic sources of exogenous fertilizer, and that's clearly not economically valid. So in the bigger picture of things, we really need to be operating within an entire organic system that then uh, involves uh, the uh, supply of nutrients and then also will help us get a better grip on weeds because weed competition and so forth is just absolutely essential. And a lot of our research work, uh, just because we have small plots and so forth, just makes it really awkward and we're not able to do the same kinds of things that growers might be able to do. So weed competition is certainly an important one. And, and, and I know Bridget and Lucia and, and their graduate students have spent like a lot of time trying to assess that. It's, it's, it's hard to get a grip on. Is there, is there a protein level that the food industry would uh, like you to shoot for or higher the better? Um, I know the first year that we messed around with malting barley, we had no idea what we were doing. And we followed, uh, we had, uh, they were all dairy farmers and they threw manure on it. And we had 18 and to 19% protein because nobody's interested in that, except for animal feed. I mean, it's great, but uh, the food industry, where would they like proteins be in this or doesn't it matter? So, uh, so again, because it's a new product, I think that there is not like the standard where uh, on weed is very clear cut where you want to have it. Uh, um, it's also, you know, barley, it's not going to bake as a wheat. Uh, so, so you're looking for alternative, um, um, alternative baking products and not bread just because of the gluten. Uh, and so, so, so I think that it's more flexible at this point and there is not a hard set line of uh, where they want the protein. Okay. But yes. um, you know, because there are no set standards, um, you can get a bag of barley flour and it could have 8% protein, it could have 18% protein, and there's no regulation on that. Um, and so, you know, one of the things that uh, we're trying to do with this project is, and with our serial chemist and graduate student here, is do some uh, food functionality testing uh, and food quality testing. So looking at, um, you know, the lines from these trials, not just the ones that were grown here in Corvallis, but also um, 
the grain from from Wisconsin and grain from New York and grain from Minnesota and um, we don't have enough of all of those things to do all the full testing, but we will get some food quality traits measured on all of those. And then um, where there was enough grain, we'll have more functionality testing that will allow, um, we'll be able to write up descriptions for these varieties that tell bakers or chefs, you know, if you get this variety, um, this is how it might perform when used as a portion of a bread or in a pita or in a cookie, for example. Now, Lucia mentioned the word gluten. Um, <laughs> uh, could you talk a little bit about gluten levels in the, the naked barleys? Uh, yeah, uh, so barley does have gluten. Um, the proteins are called uh, hordinolins and I believe, rather than gliadin and glutenins, um, but the, it forms the same sort of gluten structure as in wheat, but barley contains less of it and it's a slightly different protein. So it doesn't um, form the same gas trapping properties that the wheat gluten does, and so you can't uh, make a risen loaf out of 100% barley flour. It will rise and then collapse. Um, and so there are, you know, some traditional recipes that call for, I think, 100% barley flour, and they sort of resemble a little brick. Um, I was just going to say that's how all my bread looks when I think <laughs> it, it's uh... um, And so, you know, uh, really good bakers can, can use up to, you know, 50% 50, 50 barley flour. Um, I probably wouldn't recommend, you know, I myself as a, a, a very amateur bread baker, I probably wouldn't push it beyond like 10 to 20. Um, but for non-risen baked products, you know, I'll make a 100% barley flour cookie. Um, for things like muffins or scones, I'll probably go up to about 50% and, and likely lower than that. Um, unless you're a really experienced baker. <laughs> well, if I remember right, uh, I came to Oregon a number of years ago and they had some, uh, oh, soft pretzels made out of, if I remember uh, right, yes. out of uh, barley that were pretty good, but that was also paired with some pretty good beer and mustard. So I don't know if that, I, I think they all have to be taken into uh, account. You know, we're um, we're getting close to, to wrapping up. Uh, is there anything, the Lucia, Bridget, Pat, you'd like to share? I do want to ask you all a little bit: is what's your uh, what's your vision for this? Uh, not necessarily the project, but and you don't have to divulge any secrets. But what's your vision for where Naked Barley is heading and how fast or whatever? So, you know, one of the things that we didn't really talk about today was using naked barley for malting and brewing. And so um, currently that isn't really something that's done. Um, there are a few craft maltsters that are malting naked barley and it's being used really more as an adjunct uh, or in very small quantities by some brewers. Um, but I think, uh, it's a potential 
end use that really hasn't had a lot of exploration done. So there are some researchers that have, have started looking at it and then um, either due to lack of funding or lack of the correct variety, um, it hasn't really gone very far. And so I think, um, you know, there are some challenges, certainly the hull does provide a natural filtration system for brewing um, and it does protect that little growing shoot, but there are ways around that and there's new brewing technology um, that may allow for successful brewing with naked barley and um, you know, one of the, the exciting things with naked barley is that that hull doesn't contribute to potential alcohol. Um, and so within that kernel, you see a higher level of what's called malt extract, or that's sort of the potential alcohol that can come out of that kernel. And whether that's actually realized in a brewing system is sort of yet to be determined, but um, there, there are some, some things about naked barley that could make it exciting for uh, maltsters and brewers. How about Lucia? Yeah, as far as where we see this, I think that uh, um, I'm excited to see more barley in Wisconsin. I'm excited to see more naked barley in Wisconsin. I think that the place for naked barley would be uh, more as a specialty crop and um, it's not, uh, you know, to become a commodity. So it will be for those products that uh, would add value. And so I think that um, with that in mind, if we work on the agronomics to make sure that uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be able to be grown here, um, and then we work with the industry to make sure that we do have a market, I think that there is tremendous potential. So um, it's, it, we have a, a long way still to have you know, this uh, final product, but I think we, we do have now products that are working. And, um, and I think that it's just... Um, moving forward in, in getting it more adapted to Wisconsin and working in partnership uh, with, the, with the market is what's gonna uh, get it out there. Pat, your vision. Yeah, so uh, Bridget and, and Lucy, I think have really covered the, the, the really important and obviously key agronomic and production considerations. I would just throw out that the that the naked barley has also prompted us to consider ways that we can reach out to um, genetics, plant breeding, science, uh, teaching, uh, all the way from universities to K-12. And uh, in fact, this uh, OREI project that we have has an outreach component where we use uh, both naked and, uh, and covered barleys to demonstrate key concepts in, in, in breeding and genetics. So that's an important one. And then the other bit of it is that for the home gardener who wants to raise some barley, covered barley is sort of problematic because it is covered and you can't necessarily eat it directly and you can't really malt at home uh, unless you are willing to go uh, the extra mile. And so we have a resource called the uh, Oregon Naked uh, Barley Blend, which uh, is a mix of 700 plus different naked barleys that are of all sorts of different colors and types and shapes and forms. And we've sent that all over the world to people who can then raise their own naked barley, make their own selections. And it's really satisfying to suddenly realize that you're a plant breeder. And if you'd like, you can name the new variety after your grandchild or your mother-in-law or whatever strikes your fancy. 
And that blend is available uh, in 100 gram packets. If you would like some, you can go to barleyworld.org slash ONBB and my email address is on there. Um, and you can request a packet and I will put it in the mail for you. Oh, cool. And in, in eight to 10 weeks, you'll get it <laughs> once it hits the mail, right? <laughs> oh, oh, that's gosh. probably a little more political than I should have went. <laughs> I, did, I did, you sparked, uh, when Bridget talked about malting, you sparked one other, one other thought that I had is, is reading more and more about people that are interested in malting, malted grains for cooking, baking, whatever. Has, have you done anything with, uh, with the malted uh, naked barley and baking or cooking or... Um, a little bit. So, um, you know, we have done some baking with malted barley flour. There's a shortbread recipe that may be on our website and is in the barley zine um, that I think calls for 20% malted barley flour. Um, so that does add some natural sweetness. Um, there's also been a little bit of work done on, on malted barley syrups, um, but I think, um, you know, that's still an area where there could be a lot more exploration. So maybe the next three years, I, I won't push you anymore on where you're going. So, um, Jerry, anything else that you... No, I just... I'd like to thank the guests, but if there's uh, specific resources that you have that you could share with us, you know, as we post the podcast, um, we will have a, a link to a bunch of resources for the Naked Barley uh, topic. So uh, please send those along to us and uh, those that are listening, go to our Cutting Edge website and we will, uh, those links will be there um, under that Naked Barley topic and you can, uh, we'd just appreciate all those uh, any resources you have that we can share with our listeners. Sure. Yeah. And I'd like to thank all of you for attending. This is uh, this was super, a lot of fun. Um, uh, I think we mentioned this when uh, Pat was on before with our, just our malting barley uh, podcast. Uh, someday maybe we'll all get together and, and have uh, uh, either pretzels or cookies made out of uh, naked barley. We look forward to it. As well as a naked barley beer. Yes. Yes, so, no doubt. All right. There we go. Right here on the cap, you see barley flavors. So All right. Last, the loaf, and the head. So. <laughs> All right. And you're going to send That's us a complimentary goal. hat, aren't you, Pat? It's all coming your way. All okay. right. It's all coming your way. <laughs> Great. Thanks again. We really yeah, appreciate thanks. it. Thanks Thank for all. having See us. Later. Yeah, thank you so much. Brought to you by the University of Wisconsin-Madison Division of Extension.